Hey everyone, hey welcome back to the All of a Sudden Podcast. I'm your co-host Edna. And I'm Soma. And I'm your guest Kevin. <laughs> we want to welcome Kevin. Yay! He is Soma's brother. We've known I've known him for a really long time. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Kevin. Um, my caffeine levels right now are like spiking and then like dropping. So this is why I have some coffee here. They sent me to this coffee shop to get coffee for them. But it was like a Asian uh, coffee shop that didn't have any sugar or cream. And they called themselves carf- coffee artisans. And they didn't even have a cappuccino. So I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but that's 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 me. That's that's his life in a rap right there. Yeah. <laughs> so don't... F- can I cuss? Yeah. Don't fucking be deceiving with your signs and say you're a coffee artisan when you don't even have a cappuccino. <laughs> like, that's like, that's like the peak pinnacle craftsmanship of coffee is a cappuccino. What about all you other coffee addicts? Do you agree or disagree? <sighs> have you guys been to Seven Leaves? I mean, as long as I have matcha, I'm chill. You know, I wish I had a little disclaimer about Seven Leaves because... They said it was a coffee shop, and it says the coffee shop on Google, but when you go there, they only have black coffee. <laughs> and they didn't have cumin sugar. And they didn't have cumin sugar. Or a cappuccino. But okay. you're an artisan. Okay, never mind. I'll stop now. Um, put the mic, like, right here. Because uh, okay. you're, like, hissing it, and it might oh. sound weird on the audio. Well, what do you guys think? Well, Let that's, us know. that's my energy that I bring to this podcast. Okay. Okay, I'll, let <laughs> I'll give it back I to you hope guys. All of you guys are enjoying your holidays, spending time with family and friends. <laughs> uh, we decided to have Kevin here on the pot today because he is actually a very interesting person. Yeah, he's had a he's done a lot of things in life, and I wanted him to come on for a while now, but he's free today because he's been a busy bee. And yeah, we just wanted to ask you a bunch of questions of everything. We'll have more time now because I'm freelance and I don't have a job after this week. So um, if you know anybody that needs to hire anybody, I'm available. He's available, guys. And he's also single. So hit him up. Um, What's up? I do have some requirements, though, but we can revisit those as the podcast You guys can send in your resumes (laughs) to see if you can be a candidate for that. Yeah. But we also want to thank you guys for sticking around. um, And um, more episodes are coming throughout the year. Um, So hit the link in our Instagram and keep up with the latest episodes. Um, I, I want to mention that I'm really proud of you guys for learning all this tech and putting this all together and it looks so good and yeah um, it's a lot I'm a little sweaty right now because I was like editing <laughs> every I mean fixing every the whole setup right now so if you see some shine it's not my makeup it's my hard work period poo <laughs> anywho um we have other two special guests here today we have casey you might not see her she's laying down that's his daughter and we have stanley stanley's been here since the first episode but he charges an extra fee to be on camera and since we're still like independent we know we can't afford him well yet. he's actually executive producer and um show him try to, can you get him or no is it too much stanley come here He goes to him. He does. If I call him, he won't come to me. <gasps> Beef, dude. Oh, cozy girl. What the hell? This is Stan, the man, guys. 
Stan the Man. If for everyone listening, it's a little four-pound chubby monster. And yeah. Anywho, so what's been going on? What are all the kids talking about? What's the four one one? Um I don't know. I have a lot to say, but I need you guys to guide me because I can yeah. get I can get a crazy. So hey, I need you guys to yeah, I need you guys to take the reins here because yeah, we're gonna take the reins. The four one one is a lot. Um, second mention to uh, <laughs> be careful with the mic because okay. uh, you're talking like this, <laughs> and I understand that you're single right now, but <laughs> let's just not take it out on the mics and okay, um, copy. I got that note. Anywho, guys, he is my brother. That's why, you know, that's why the vibes. But anywho, so when uh, we'll go, we'll take it back from the start. It all started in Casey, 1991. We're filming here, please. Casey, behave, please. Thank you. Anywho, um, so what I always found very interesting and um, big of Kevin was that you know growing up in orange county where we grew up it was very frowned upon to be gay well it was it was just early in the years like when we were growing up there was not a lot of like out gay people so kevin was like one of the i think he was the first because he came out when middle school and there wasn't really any person that was out gay i feel like until we were in high school that's when people were coming out more so yeah, it was just like not people weren't out yet like they are today. Yeah, but I I just thought it was like like I I really appreciate him for being for staying true to himself. Be, um because I'm sure he went through a lot, you know, being gay during that time. So how was it? How was it? I um, mean, how was your home life with that? Because my home life it was great. I came out when I was 12 and it wasn't an issue at all. I remember this one time like we never really addressed it and I was coming home one time from my mom. Um, it was just me and my mom. We were coming home from a thrift shop and we were like huge thrifters in our family. And like she kind of just she kind of mentioned it for me. So like she basically like came out for me like just one on one. And she says that like, oh, you know, you're a gift from God. Like you really changed my perspective on life. And I'm really grateful f- to have you as you are in my life. So like when it comes to family life, I've never, never really got like, like bullied or whatever in family life. And um, yeah, I feel like we all knew that yeah. Kevin was gay because me and Kevin grew up. We used to do uh, talent <coughs> shows and we used to do the Spice Girls. And um, I it was just wasn't scary a, spice. it wasn't a secret. That's that's pretty much it. Like, but anywho, I was scary spice and he was sporty spice. And then we did like Destiny's Child talent show. And then we did Britney Spears. And then we did the yeah. Moulin Rouge. Yeah, but it's very interesting because in Mexican culture, you know, they they are not very accepting of that. Or maybe they are now, you know, nowadays they are. But I know back then it was like a big, big deal, too. And and that's interesting that you didn't experience any of that in your family. I feel like I don't know, dude. I feel like I was never really like how I put this. Like I was just kind of discovering myself and I just discovered myself a lot earlier than like people my age would like coming out of 12, like really understanding my place in society and high school and middle school and all that stuff. Like I just knew in my heart that like I was different, I guess. And I never really felt like I needed to hide. But like growing up, you kind of like you're still finding your footing. You're still understanding life and stuff like that. But I was like, I guess I was in a fortunate position where like I had like 
mom like totally being cool and open mm-hmm. and like I don't know I never really felt like I was like bounded to anything like when it comes to like gender roles in high school or middle school and stuff like that and um like when it came to like extended family like our family's kind of just a little different I feel and I feel like there's like kind of like a lot of gay people in our family so like subconsciously or before like anyone ever mentioned uh, their sexuality to their like parents like our cousins and stuff mm-hmm. like it was already kind of there in the undertones like so it never really was like I never really felt like to be honest I never really felt like judged or anything or like put down just by being who I was that's amazing um, yeah. so I feel really fortunate to be myself entirely from like a very young age um but when it comes to high school it was a little different um so i came out when i was 12 so no one really had an excuse to bully me in high school but i did see bullying happen to other gay people but i was like i feel like you know like i guess bullies kind of like sense that sense uh like fear in people mm-hmm. and like people become targets when they when they like lead with fear um i don't know i just felt like i was just being myself and i felt like i was never really like I don't know. I was pretty low key. Like I wasn't like a popular kid or anything. And I was just like in high school, like I experiment, I experimented with fashion and stuff, but like the super skinny jeans were in. So that was kind of a thing. And it was kind of like an age where I felt like we're all kind of experimenting. And I, I growing up in Orange County, it's like conservative, but also like I never, like in high school, I never really felt like bully. I mean, there was like bullying instances, but like I was really sure of myself. So I knew in my heart that like, whatever was happening around me, like based on me, like being judged by being who I am and dressing for him, but had nothing to do with me. So I never really took it to heart. But now that I'm older, like getting bullied, it turns me on. But that's a different, that's <laughs> okay. a different, yeah. Yeah, we can touch up on that later. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah. But that's very interesting to hear that, you know, like you didn't have any issues growing up mm-hmm. um, with your sexuality and stuff. Yeah. Um, Another interesting thing that you recently did was you moved out of Orange County mm-hmm. and you lived in a van. Okay, so if you go back to if we go back to high school for a little bit, I do okay. want to mention something. So in high school, like my senior year was like the year I was like really truly coming to coming to like uh, my understanding of the world. And during that time, it was during Prop Eight. I don't know if you guys remember Prop Eight. Yeah. So Prop Eight was legislation. Uh, funded by outside people of the state to stop gay marriage and it was like very like family oriented like legislation and there was like protests happening during that time and um i feel like some people weren't really tuned in yet politically because we were really young but like being gay like you kind of you have a sense you have like a higher sense when it comes to like people basically infringing on your rights so during like all the all my my high school years like i would turn every single project that i got like you know a project that you present for a class i turned everything into like a gay rights thing like there was like for example in um my english class there was like a banned book so you have to research banned books and talk about that banned book so i found this banned book uh it was banned by sarah palin uh she was the uh, governor of alaska at the time and uh, she banned this book called my daddy's roommate and um, it's basically for like to help children understand like when it was about a child of divorce, straight divorce, and the dad ends up being gay and he has a partner and they live together and they do all kinds of stuff together. But it it there was no like sex involved in the book. It was more of understanding of like a partnership and like my daddy's roommate. Mm-hmm. And it was like through the through the perspective of the child's um, 
point of view. And I did things like that in high school. We basically turned everything into like gay rights thing. I also never stood up for the Pledge of Allegiance uh, when I came to like conscious, especially during pop break. And I was, because my thinking was like, Every single morning we wake up, we do the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance, and I the Pledge of Allegiance took place in my U.S. history class. I had this uh, teacher called his name was like Mr. Marty or something like that. He was really cool, like super cool laid back guy, and super into U.S. politics or U.S. history, I should say. And the Pledge of Allegiance fell during the my U.S. history class, so it was like perfect. And now looking back as an adult, I'm like, oh shit, that was pretty fucking punk of me, and. Um, I had never stood up for the Pledge of Allegiance and everybody else did. And I was never really questioned. We did have a topic about Prop 8 during that class. And I'm like, well, you know, people are trying to tell me I'm not like, like, I'm not the same as them. Like, if I choose to marry someone, like, it's not the same as them. Um, so, like, why would I stand up for a country that doesn't see me as a full citizen, as a human being that deserves equal rights? So I just stopped standing up for the Pledge of Allegiance. And then one time we had a substitute teacher. She's like an older white lady. And she saw me not stand up. And then she pulled me out of class and she's like, why didn't you stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance? And I was just like, well, my, I don't feel like I have, an, I have equal rights here. So why would I stand up? She's like, well, she's like, I understand that. But, you know, a lot of people die for this country and all that stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, it's my First Amendment right to express myself. So I'm not going to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. So... Yeah, that was kind of like my little protest during the whole Prop 8 situation. And um, that kind of like, looking up, looking at back at it now as an adult, it like really, that was kind of like pretty intense of me, to be honest. Like, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I was like so badass. But I never like, I, there would be instances where I would be called faggot. So in, wow, all, all like these memories are coming out now. So I had a ba- uh, American Apparel backpack. And those are like, play, just like basic colored black packs and at the little pouch of the bottom i wrote the word fag in like sharpie i wrote fag like in block letters and it was kind of my way of taking back that word and being like yeah i'm fag like i'm gay like and so i'd be like fag it and i'm like yeah dude i'm fucking gay like you're like you're you're just stating a fact yeah you like, didn't take it as an insult not at all i was just like okay like the and yeah like faggot and like well, okay what do we do now you know like well, what do we do after that what were their reactions or like what would they do um i would have like some stupid remark that i probably shouldn't have said like i freak out what else i'd be like faggot and i'll be like oh do you want to kiss or something like i have something like catty and weird like that and um but it was like never really like i don't know it never really bothered me like and I think it's because, like, having mom, like, subconsciously, like, I would, like, see her being, like, super strong in, like, all departments of her life because she didn't have a choice. And I think, like, that was my struggle. Her struggle was, like, trying to raise four kids, one of them, like, kind of getting in, like, in and out of, like, their mind, kind of, like, a lot of issues, like, being the older one. Then, you know, just raising four kids by herself in Orange County. And I think, like, that was her struggle. Then my struggle was, like, trying to fit into, like, the super conservative world, which... It was honestly, it's all relative, like the struggle. And I felt like having that struggle as a, a really young person, like in middle school and high school, has led me to like be the person I am today, which is like, okay, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, whatever. Like, now, like in my life, like I'm just here to have fun and have a good time and make some money, you know? Like, yeah. fuck bitches, get money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, like, 
life was good honestly but i i also have a lot of gratitude for for everything in my life like the struggle and like the hardships and like the kind of like coming to the realization of who i was and the way that god made me and also understanding that god doesn't make mistakes and i feel like just really like happy that i live in america where i can express myself and have the first amendment right and i can be whatever i want make my wildest dreams come true and like live with like no filter pretty much yeah and then after high school <coughs> you moved to la by yourself too so after high school um so i graduated at 17 and then i went to like this like kind of for profit for profit art school and i kind of it was kind of cool i met a lot of really interesting people but i was over that real fast and um i have a really good friend luke um we were together at the time and he was like hey um my friend has an apartment in hollywood and uh he has a room available for 20 days do you want to go for 20 days to hollywood and i was like fuck it let's go to hollywood so the first day i went to hollywood that first day i woke up Luke told me that and then I called all my little friends and I had a bunch of art in my room like a lot of art because I would go to the thrift store and I would just buy a bunch of shit and I called them I'm like hey guys I'm moving to LA like come over and pick up whatever art you want pretty much just like ran away and I just dipped like I just left they came they picked up their, they picked up all the art and stuff because they picked up the art and stuff and I just like had like a few like garbage bags two garbage bags of just like my clothes and at the time I had like just bought a, I just bought a car like as a fresh 18 year old and like I was super excited about it but like I I felt like I wasn't really bound to anything and like I kind of had like a way out even though it's only like 40 miles north and um so I go to Hollywood and my friend suggests to register as an extra at this place called Central Casting um which is like the biggest casting offices for extras and um and I registered. Extras. extras are like the the background actors of like TV shows and movies. So basically, the people you see walking on the back of like your favorite TV shows. Mm. Um, and I looked really young at the time. I mean, I still do. And my friends like go register and you'll work a lot. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So I kind of just like he took me under his wing and I went to go register. And like the first day I finished my registration, that day as we were driving off of the parking lot, we got a call from a casting director saying like, "Hey, I know that I know you just registered, but we have a rush call." Rush call means that someone dropped out and they have to fill that spot like immediately. It's like, hey, we have a rush call. We know we know you just registered. Um, do you want to do it? It's a three day shoot on this movie. And I'm like, uh, look over my friend. He's like, do it. And I'm like, okay, so I did it. So basically, the first day that I ran away to Hollywood was the first day that I registered at Central Casting. Was the first day that I was on a movie set. So like, it literally happened like within the span of hours. Like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Wow. And that was my intro to Hollywood. And it takes a lot. And actually, it takes a lot of people to get into that field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it takes a long time for them to actually get a role like mm-hmm. that. Um, Yes and no. Because at the time, like, you would just go register. And then basically, you would try to book yourself. So, like, the way that it worked was, like, as an extra, you would call this hotline, like, with the phone. And you would you would listen to voicemails. Like, hey, you basically call, like, a voicemail line. And it would have, like casting notices but like on the phone like with the voice so for example like you would call and it would be something like hi my name is brandy i'm a casting director at central casting we're looking to cast uh, a mermaid uh, girl with red hair that's comfortable being in the water and if you're available on tuesday give me a give me a call at 818 blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and um, you would call that number and then 
it would always be like a dial tone, like busy tone. And then you would keep calling and calling and calling until they finally answer. They'd be like, hi, this is Brandy, first five, or whatever, first five of your social. And they'd be like, okay, great. You looked, It looks like you fit the bill. Um, you're going to call this info box number. So for all your details, basically like location and all that stuff. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. <laughs> it's not like it's that anymore. It's all digital now. It's all digital. So. It's all like, yeah. I can go on and on and on and on about yeah. like just like the little stuff of Hollywood. But the thing is like, the thing about being an extra in the beginning was like you actually had to work like super, super hard to be on set. So fortunately for me, like the call, that call basically like it kind of like pushed me into Hollywood. Like I didn't really have any intentions of being in Hollywood. It was just like perfect place, perfect time. And just kind of like, kind of like God works in mysterious ways. And like that was kind of like be like, hey, bitch, you're coming to Hollywood. Now oh, that yeah. you're doing that, like what's your favorite project that you've been on? I've uh, So I was an extra for 10 years and um, I... I basically hustled a lot, kind of like trying to get myself work. And like, it's basically freelance work. And you would get like super cool with like casting directors and they'll remember you. And being super young looking, you would work a lot of the high school shows. And, um, but my favorite project, there's actually a couple. Uh, one of them was, <laughs> there's a couple. Uh, What's your top then? Your my top, first. my first, my, what do you mean? My like first, your, like favorite. your favorite. Well, okay. So one of the shows that I ended up doing, so, it's just like there's a lot of layers to this. Um, just tell us the big so layers. there was a show called Night Squad that I didn't. So the agreement was that I would come in as cast. So I didn't really audition for it. Long story short, I worked with this crew and this these producers and writers like throughout my whole extras career. So this was like ten years in, or like eight years in, and I get a call saying like, "Hey, um, we really want to book you for this role, um, but the agreement is that you would come in." and do your own stunts and at, at that time when i got that call i was working on a show called young sheldon and i was a, a stand-in for one of the kid actors and my days were like only like two hours long so i'm like i don't want and my in my head i thought that night squad wanted me as an extra mm. and i was making more money as a stand-in and i was having more like hands-on experience like i was acting with the actors off camera and i was actually like in it like as a crew member and as an actor which is like a really unique situation to be in so I got that call and I was really thinking like, I don't want to, I don't want to let go of the job that I have now. Cause it's so fucking easy. Like my days are only two hours long, two hours long. Mm-hmm. I get my whole day rate and I get experience like hands-on experience in front of camera and with the actors and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to pass. And then like I clicked and then like an hour later, the casting director says, casting director, her name was, her name was Nikki. She's like, Hey, just letting you know now, this is not an opportunity you want to pass. This is not a, she remember saying this, this is not a bridge you want to burn. And I was like, fuck, this sounds serious. I'm like, okay, I'll go to the fitting. So I go to the fitting. Fitting basically means like you go in, like they, they take your measurements, cl- they take your measurements and they fit you. Um, and I walk in and I already knew everyone on that, on that set because it's the same show that I worked on previously. I was an mm-hmm. extra on that show, but it was the same directors, writers, producers, but it was just a new show. Same sound stages at Paramount, same everything. And I go to my fitting and I'm like, I'm kind of like, oh, I fucking hate this show already. Like, I don't want to come back. Like in my inner dialogue. And then I see the first AD, which is basically like the person that runs the whole show. Um, and she's like, hey, Kevin. And I'm like, hey, girl. And she's like, wow, it was really hard to get you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, just scheduling was complicated, but I'm here now. Like putting on a fucking smile, you know. 
And then like as like as the show progressed, I realized that it was actually like a real part, like with lines. So I was like, oh shit, you guys should have just led with that. I would have been like, yeah, let's fucking go. So but the agreement was that I was bought in I was bought in as cast and I would do my own stunts. And um I did my I, I'm like, well, you guys know that I'm not a stunt person. Like I don't fucking do yeah, stunts. Like I wanna know what kind of stunts they had you do. Um for so I was the smallest person on set for the most part. And um it, the whole show was basically like we were training to be knights, like knights in shining armor, like dragons and shit like that. Mm-hmm. We were training to be knights and we were all in like little groups like of four. And we were at night school, like night squads. We were in little squads. And we would compete against each other, but then like the big bad evil villains would come to our town and we would come together as knights and we would fight the we would fight the fucking the intruders so this was a nickelodeon this show. nickelodeon show so a lot of it was like sword fighting which is really cool i learned a lot it's like a dance a lot of it was staff fighting it's basically like a big stick and they just fight and a lot of it was um me basically like doing like a crazy stunt with like the biggest guy the biggest evil goblin or the fuck so it would be like me running underneath their legs and like jumping behind them and then like them me swinging off their neck and like kind of all that like kind of goofy kid shit. Damn. So that was a that was a really interesting project. It went for two seasons. The second season got cut in half because it was just too fucking expensive. And um, it was great. I learned a lot. But to be really, really honest with everybody, like I felt like in my heart at the time, I was not ready. Mm. I was just not ready. I was too hesitant. I actually, I actually was the first time I actually had a therapist was during that show because I felt like I like an intruder. What's that? Imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really. I felt like I didn't really belong there. Mm-hmm. Everyone was younger than me. I was like twenty five at the time, and everyone was like freshly eighteen. And I felt like these kids had so much more going for them than I did. This is like this. I had braces at the time, and like the whole like aesthetics about Hollywood. We can get into that like when I finish this story. Um it really like fucked with my mind because like it was like Disney like Nickelodeon show everyone was fucking beautiful everyone had their fucking teeth and like kind of like coming from like basically like a single family home with like no money and fucked up teeth like it really like changed my perspective so like to basically like share like my aesthetic journey with Hollywood like I had fucked up teeth growing up so as soon as I like got started making my own money i fixed my teeth like with braces and i had surgery on my jaw and a, a bunch of stuff okay cardi b <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta bag and fix my teeth i hope you have something cheap um <laughs> um it was not cheap it was like twenty thousand dollars for everything in my Jeez. mouth but i was making good money on the show so like i kind of like i had braces on on the show and uh i was a, lo- a big insecurity of mine but wasn't that like a, ma- a main thing that I feel like that's something that they would look for people with braces because it just makes you look a lot younger. Yeah, I so yeah, so that I feel like that actually did help me a lot of the time, but a lot of the time like so there was a period piece show. So there's a period piece so like fucking medieval times they didn't have braces. Yeah. But it's oh, a kid yeah. show so there's they let, they let a lot of stuff a lot of stuff slide. Um but going back to the beginning like Hollywood like my whole 10 years like you would go in as an extra and you basically be you basically get hired because the way that you look and like I had like these really ugly glasses and like my I had like these big gauges and my teeth were fucked up and like going into Hollywood like it was kind of like a like a reality check in a way of like okay well look at all these beautiful people around you like this is how people are getting jobs but then i would be like well i'm here too so i must be doing something right um but it 
it allowed me to kind of like see myself outside of my body like just by surface stuff which is kind of like vain vanity yeah um but then it's also like understanding like how you're being perceived by the world by the way that you carry yourself and the way that you look so you obviously people judge themselves all the time but even harder in hollywood because you're in front of camera like you're in front of like hair and makeup people you're you're going in for parts based on your look for the most part um so i as i experienced hollywood and i took it all in i had my ears closed i had my i had braces i got my teeth all cute and um i had got contacts i wear glasses that they're off right now because of the light but i wear glasses now as an adult um but growing up in hollywood knowing who i was like a small brown person in hollywood and not like an a-list guy but like i still learned a lot like just being in front of camera and talking to hair people talking to like vanity people and just kind of like using basically like using your all the resources available to you so without having to have to like um change my face like with plastic surgery like okay well this is what god gave me so what can i do with what god gave me and how can i make myself more wholesome because a lot of the shows were kid shows Mm -hmm. so the whole thing was like the castings are always like wholesome young looking people and i felt like i didn't really fit the bill because i had gauges and i had fucked up teeth and i had shitty glasses so i'm like fuck i have to kind of like mold myself to like these castings because that was part of my hustle that was part of my job and now as an adult, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I fix all that shit. I had my ears closed. You can't really tell. But, um, and, uh, yeah. Like, the most important, biggest insecurity of mine was my teeth. And I'm sure a lot of people experience it, too. But I was like, I'm not going to continue on life with fucked up teeth. Like, like long story short, I had, like, two little baby teeth in my front teeth right here. Now, it's like, it looks like kind of sort of normal teeth. Like, that used to be, mm-hmm. like, a big standout. Because, like, when you, free, you so, first meet someone... You're like, hey, how's it going? And like, you meet them and like, you make like instant subconscious judgment on the person. Would you consider that like one of the big, well, what, are the, what do you think is like the big significant moments that cha- like changed your life? Would fixing your teeth be one of them or what? Uh, seeing myself being through photogra- everything, through like Hollywood, kids, like your the uh, whole life. What was your question? Like significant moments, like three significant moments that changed. So your that life. was one, that booking that show was one of them. Okay. The other one was uh, COVID for every for a lot of fucking reasons like lockdown and stuff like that mm-hmm. and actually like seeing myself and I think I know your third one. To an- wait, wait, hold on. I want to answer your previous question because I went on a rant. I want to answer my second favorite job that I've done. Is that okay? Can yeah, I go back go there? Yeah. Was a movie called Babylon. It's out now, and I booked this role. Uh, through a casting director for an extra it's basically like an extra role but it turned into a little something more um that movie was that movie's basically based on like basically like the history of hollywood and how fucked up it was like in the very very beginning and during the time it was during lockdown and i was really bored and i was taking a bunch of like history classes on hollywood like hollywood history and i love history i love like politics and all that stuff and it was so fascinating to learn about like how how they, how they used to actually like all the tech stuff they used to use like how they used to shoot movies and stuff and i'm taking my little course online on my ipad and i'm learning all about it i'm reading these books about hollywood and like super fascinating like historic stuff and then i get a it was uh, someone sent me something this casting for a guy named arturo and it was it was me it was like 18 to 25 
Latino, brown, dark hair, uh, short, and slim. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's me. So I submitted and I ended up getting in. I went to the fitting and I had this whole crazy experience because it was like the movie itself was about Hollywood history. And I was studying Hollywood history at the time. And like to see that it was kind of like a super meta moment because it was like I was reading these history books and then I was on set and we were shooting a movie about Hollywood history. So it was like a me- super meta like it was crazy. You low-key manifested that. I feel like I did in a way. Yeah. I did. And then that and that that class online um, actually inspired me to start doing behind-the-camera stuff. And that actually got me into a program and that trained me to be a production assistant. And now I'm like on my way to become a producer. So, so yeah. So that was one of your significant biggest moments? That one, that basically that, to answer your question now as I discover it is... To answer both of your questions was like my second favorite project was Babylon, which is out now. And um, and basically those two moments because of that that online class that I took during lockdown, basically those ba- basically shifted my lives. Like I really had a huge shift. And getting your daughter, Casey. And my daughter, of course, my daughter. But that's like. I feel like that. That's part of the plan. It calmed me down a lot. It also gave me like a lot of more responsibility and stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, so if you guys are crazy, get a dog. <laughs> Actually, or don't, because you're crazy. What the fuck? If you guys are crazy and you want to calm down, get a dog. Or get in a relationship. Get a dog. <laughs> Relationships. <laughs> you don't need thing in relationship. Um, oh, yeah, well, Edna brought up another thing earlier. Oh, sorry, and I interrupted you, sorry. No, the it's okay. Ba- that the was great. band life. I, I loved uh, <laughs> learning all about that because I knew, you know, you did a lot in Hollywood, but I yeah. just didn't know exactly what. And I know that you got, I think you got Soma into doing the background yeah. acting as well. So yeah, I mean, it's I, I, it's honestly, anybody, anybody can do it. You just have to be a little bit crazy. But you also have to be like in, it's Hollywood's like you are in the business of you. Whether you're in front of the camera or behind the camera, because basically everything is freelance. Like every project comes to an end, so you have to like have like mad hustle. Do you feel like a lot of people fall into depressions because of that? Because they just don't fit the Hollywood look. Well, yes and no. Hollywood has a lot of different looks, though, because they're not always looking for like they're not always casting for like a popular girl. They're sometimes they're casting for the nerdy guy. Sometimes they're casting for like the big person. Sometimes they're casting for like a footballer. So you don't necessarily have to have like one certain look, look or else like every character in every film would look the same. Like but, it's so mixed. But match. to answer your question, I feel like a lot of people come, come to Hollywood from like a fucking square state and they're probably the most beautiful person in Ohio. And everyone in their town's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You should go to Hollywood. And they go to Hollywood and they realize that they're not the most beautiful person in the room anymore. Mm-hmm. And like they come in with like these like dreams of becoming Marilyn fucking Monroe and like not having to have to work for it because they're beautiful. But then coming to realize that like, yeah, you can be as beautiful as fuck. Um, but are you talented? What do you have to offer? Um, who do you know? Do, who do you know? Hollywood do you have, do you is a lot of who do you know? Yeah. I feel like that's all in a lot of places and too, like in corporate yeah it's It's not about what you know it's who you know one thing that i never cared about before i started working in like la and hollywood was i never really tripped about like my age but then once you're there like it's like a ticking time bob you're like oh my god i'm getting older especially because we work in a lot of like kid stuff so it's like holy shit that's actually that's what inspired me to like move behind the camera part of it was behind the camera because i was working on a lot of kid shows and i just kind of felt like 
kind of out of place and like i still go to auditions and stuff and like i would go to auditions still as a 30 year old 31 year old i would go to auditions to audition for a part for a 16 year old which is normal in hollywood but i would go in and like i would be there with like in the waiting room with all the other actors they were all 15 years old and they were there with their moms and like Mm -hmm. i kind of i kind of like a weird experience where like the last audition i did was for a 16 year old role uh 16 one six and everyone there was like legit like 14 15 16 and i was fucking 31 i'm like bitch what am i doing here and um i just came in with like meanness but obviously like me being myself but obviously like i'm not a fucking child and like i know people perceive me differently than i perceive myself but my experience like was like really weird to like be sitting in that waiting room and to look over at this like mom mom and son duo and like the little kids like he's a cute kid and like his mom's doing his hair and like he's just like kind of like that it kind of reminded me of like that kid in uh charlie and chocolate factory of like that little fat boy that gets everything he wants it was kind of like that and he's like my mom's fucking my mom's fucking doing everything for me like his mom was like licking her fucking palms and like fixing his hair and i'm just like oh my god what am i doing here everyone's like a fucking kid and it's so embarrassing like what am i doing here so like that was part of it and also like like being on set and like you having like this new wave of like young 18 year olds coming to hollywood and being extras with you there's a there's a category called 18 to look younger in hollywood so 18 years old but you look younger and it's actually it's better that way because you don't have to pay adults you can treat adults like adults like in when it comes to like work and like if you hire a kid you you not only have to hire a kid and pay the kid you have to hire the kid and their parent and you also have to have a teacher for them on set so if you hire someone that looks younger than 18 you don't have to do any of that shit just pay that one person directly yeah and then they have to have like they could only film like for five hours and it's like a whole hot mess working with kids so a lot of the times they'll do like 70 percent 18 to look younger which are adults that look young and then they'll do like uh 30 percent the kids or something they'll do like a small so then they're they do fillers with the kids Mm -hmm. sprinkle them and then there'll be a lot of us that are like older that look young like playing those roles so like to mention what, what sister said earlier about like being like really in tune about your age in hollywood was like me as i was getting closer to 30 i'm like what am i still doing here on set with these little ass kids and i was like it's only going to be a matter of time until i'm that old man on set and everyone else is like the little ass kid running around me like i would be on set just because of my frame because i'm a small person but like it just kind of was like a mental fuck because it was like it's like you start doing it for a long time it's like you get comfortable because the money's okay and like you have a lot of freedom but it's also like i'm getting older um i'm still being perceived as a kid on set and it just kind of like yeah that's the weird part it's kind of like purgatory to be honest like i felt like i felt like i needed to get the fuck out of there and get the fuck out of there so then i started doing stuff behind the camera so now i now i feel in my heart i'm more comfortable and now i have like a path to like my career yeah i'd be i've had wow. a i had a weird moment on sets where like i'll show up to set and then they'll be like um is your parent here where's your parent and i'm like uh lady Oh, she's got a ring. I was like, lady, I'm freaking whatever age I was at the time. I had a similar experience where like I was, uh, it's mostly all these sitcom shows. So all the like little Nickelodeon Disney shows. And I was like, I was sitting there. I think I was on my phone. I had a headphones on or something. And the the school teacher, so there's school teachers on set. Like, all right, let's go to school. And I'm just like, I ignored her because I'm I'm not a fucking kid. I was like 25 at the time. And I was like, kind of look, looking at my phone. He's like, and then she comes closer to me. He's like, let's go to school. And I'm like, I was thinking in my head that there was a kid behind me. 
Um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, good. she's like, hello, it's time to go to school, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm over 18, I'm not, I'm not a child. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, it's cool, I get it. <laughs> but like, to have those moments continuously happen, like, uh, it just made me feel weird as like a, um, I guess I'm a man, which is like another topic of use it. Uh, like as a as an adult man in Hollywood, it was just really really weird. Um, but but it's also a secret weapon because like when someone comes up to you on the street or someone comes knocking on your door and they're like, "Hi, can we speak to your mom?" Be like, "Uh, uh my mom went to the store. I, I don't know. I I can call her if you want, but like you know, like using it to your advantage because it's kind of like a secret weapon. Yeah, like kind of like kind of being invisible because you're people think you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, you're gonna live forever. Well, I hope not, because <laughs> I'm ready to die, bitch. Okay, <laughs> no. Biggie Smalls. I'm ready to see the other side. I'm sick of this shit. So I'm right about the depression. Uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it it really did come with a lot of depression too, because there'd be times where like you would just not work because it's like you're a freelancer, and they'd yeah. be like, "Fuck, I'm not ever gonna work again," and like you kind of get in your head, and like you know, like in our culture, like you are your bank account. I feel. And, like, it's also, like, being able to have the freedom to do whatever you want. But it's also, like, there would be times where, like, I would be okay, like, financially. But then I would be, like, I wouldn't be working. Because there would be times where, like, you would be on a project for, like, five months straight. And, like, you don't work for, like, another three months. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how it is working. And then, like, you feel, like, you feel, like, fuck, like, what am I doing? Like, I have money. And, like, I'm fucking depressed. And you just kind of sit in yourself. And, like, I just talk blah, 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 blah. And there's t- it's like a roller coaster. I feel like a lot of our coworkers, like, will joke about shit. We'll be like, there'll be times where there's literally no work. Like, right now, during the holidays, there's no work because no one's filming anything. So, like, we all, all joke around them that, like, we all do this. So, we're like, there's no work. And then all of a sudden, we'll make, like, an Indeed profile. And we're fucking scrolling, yep. looking for jobs. And we're yes. like, oh, my God, we haven't worked. And then we get booked on a show. And we're like, oh, fuck that. Fuck all that. And then we're back. <laughs> we're back in business, baby. But I feel like that happens to a lot of people that yeah. work in, like, in on sets on and stuff. And also freelance people and stuff yeah. like that. Like, it's. I feel like it's like a common thing that happens. Yeah. But I mean, depression is real, especially when you're being like judged on your looks, yeah. TBH, and like and like you're constantly being compared. Like I go to a lot of auditions and like I've done like so many fucking auditions and like TBH. Like shout out to my fucking agent, but she hasn't dropped me yet. But like I haven't really booked anything. But also like I'm not really giving it like my hundred percent because my my mind is focused more on your like new passion on my new career path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I feel like everyone's depressed now. I feel like depression is like glorified too. It's like, it's like ev- everyone's depressed. I feel like that's just the new thing. Not even just in our industry. I feel like if you go on TikTok, everyone's yeah. talking about depression. Mm-hmm. If you go on everything, are you guys depressed right now? I have times where I will feel down, but I just feel like it's everywhere. No. And then if other people see it, then they might be like, oh, You're shit, like, no, maybe I'm, depressed. Depressed. I'm pretty happy and content. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, this is like it's like a mainstream thing now. It could be for a lot of different factors, though. It could yeah. be like because it's I like totally glorified it. or it could be because like just like this, the world. It could be because of like the COVID situation. Maybe Everything. maybe it just seems like it's everywhere now because now as like a culture and a society, we're more in tune about like things like anxiety and depression. Because we've talked to our parents like mom didn't know what anxiety was for a long time. She's like, what's anxiety? Like, I guess feel it's, like it's like that in yeah. the, um, the Mexican culture. Yeah. They don't really know what that is. It's because they don't have the language for it. So, like, how how would they know if they don't know what it is? Like, they just probably think it's just them like living life. Also, they don't have they don't have time to be depressed. 
Like yeah. my mom's like, I don't have fucking time to be depressed. I have to make money and fucking take care of you guys. Like, yeah, that's gonna be like mm-hmm. a first gen issue or for it's like forward because when immigrants come here, they don't have the luxury to be like all depressed and anxiety because they're like, but they have busy. it though. They have they it. have it, but they're on a hustle. They're trying to get. They're keep, keeping their mind busy because they're like mm-hmm. trying to raise these kids. You know, yeah. when we're the ones that have time to reflect and like, oh shit, I have this feeling. Blah blah blah. You know. But if you go to like other places in the world where they have to hustle, like that's not in their hierarchy of needs, you know, their higher, higher, their Maslow hierarchy of needs is like, I need to eat first or I need to do this before I could even think about like my mental health. I need to fucking, where yeah. am I going to eat today? Where it's for sure a luxury today? to be able to do some self-reflection like that. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to talk about is what motivated you to live in a van? And how long did you live in a van um, for? Can you tell so us a little bit? A really that? good friend, Luke, I lived in has lived in a van for a really, really long time and he really inspired me. Um, there's also like a whole van life movement and uh, him and I would we would go camping a lot and we would live out of our cars and stuff. Um because we were camping and stuff. And like he had a van and he was building one out. Um and I'm like, Hey, uh, can you build me one? Because I want to live in a van. So we ended up we ended up building one for me, but he ended up keeping it because he worked really really hard on it. And I'm like, you know what? Take the one that you just recently built, and I'll take yours because I was living in his while he was building mine. So but I want to point out that it's not just like a basic. We'll put van. we'll put videos up. It like was nice. He built it out. Build like solar these, panels on yes. top. There's like a full bed. Yeah. There's like a there's like batteries and like a refrigerator running, and there's like a little stove. It's like super cozy. It's mode. literally like a mini travel house like a little rv it's like a little mini compact rv but the whole thing is like this our whole philosophy at the time was like stealth so like basically you can like roll up in a neighborhood and no one will question your van they just think it's a van so i did it for a year um i did it while i was working on night squad which is really cool because i was making a gazillion dollars and i was living in the van so i didn't have any rent so i did it for a year and the way that the tv shows worked uh, for this tv show was like we would shoot for three three weeks straight Monday through Friday, every single day for three weeks. And then we would have two weeks off. So basically 14 days off and 21 days working, like on and off, on and off, on and off for like two or three day, three years. And um, I would use that time that my breaks to like basically like drive around and explore and stuff like that. I did it for a year and there would be some scary, really scary moments, but there would also be some really, really beautiful moments. Um, like when I lived when I lived in the city when I had to work I would I would it was kind of trial and error, um I would stay in Burbank next to the gym so I would shower at the gym and use the restroom at the gym, and um just get ready and cute every morning go to the gym, um wake up shower, and I get ready for work and then get in my van and then drive to work and then I so I started in Burbank, and um, I would just kind of feel weird energy like parking in neighborhoods because you're parking in someone's home in front of someone's home and like it was my van was like a white cargo van and it was like you know like typical stereotype you want some candy little yeah. kids <laughs> and um after that i ended up moving to like uh, mid-city which is like the worst it was the worst i was really scared at the time because it was like i found this parking spot that was safe enough for me to park in but like there was oh god there was this guy and it was close to a gym um like walking distance so what i would do i was like i leave my van parked outside of the parking lot and i would like get my little backpack and then go to the gym and get ready and be good cute for the day but I remember this one time, just a few couple times. I don't know why I moved. I think I was just like not. I think. Oops. Hello? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Um, I Hold think on. it was. 
I think I'll tell my story still. Um, so I parked at this like little neighborhood in Mid City, and there was this guy that I would always get park his car behind my van and get like super drunk and play like really really loud music. But it was like three in the morning, and I was like sleeping. But I felt like I I feel like I was like too scared to move my van because I didn't want anyone to see that anyone was living in my van. So I did that for like a week, and that kind of really stuck with me. And then I moved to Santa Monica, and then I parked like in this industrial area in Santa Monica. And this one time, um, someone smashed my window open on the side. But like I was, my van was like a cargo work van, so it had like a gate to protect. So they smashed my window and um everything broke it was like four in the morning and i woke up like hey like i screamed out loud and like they were like oh shit and i just heard them like running because they didn't realize that because i was parked in a resident it was i was parked in an industrial part of santa monica where all these cargo vans were lined up so it was like work vans so i'm like oh my van's gonna blend in perfectly here you know but I, the my the thing is like it's better to be around people than to be like in an industrial area because like it's just you and that person that's gonna be fucking attacking you so and then after that i ended up parking in like this little cul-de-sac which is like way safer and like the energy was better there and i just felt safe and all that stuff so that was like living in the city and then when i was on my break i would just like drive around like the southwest i went to new mexico um nevada and like we would just find like little pockets like there's this thing called bureau land of management basically it's blm but like not the movement like the government agency or department where there's free land throughout the whole U.S. And you can live up on this land for 14 days and for free. And then you just move to a different spot of the land and just live there 14 days and then move. Like, basically, like, it's free land for everybody. You can, like, there's there's some outside. There's a lot outside of, like, national parks. Like, there's, there's one outside of Joshua Tree. You can live out there. So I would do that. I would just, like, drive and go somewhere. Uh, my favorite place to go, to go to was this place called Deep Creek Hot Springs. Have you been? I think we talked about it. I think we talked about going, yeah. but you guys still have to take me because I have. Not oh, it's been too, yet. it's too cold right now. We should go in the spring though. It's really beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it's dope. Um, so it's I would go fun. there. I would go there a lot, like whenever I felt weird and like I just kind of like reset and like it, there was service there, so I was able to like watch my little YouTube videos and do my little acting thing out there. And um, I had a little YouTube channel at the time, but like I had to stop making it because I felt like I was kind of giving way too much information out. Like mm-hmm. in, about yeah. yourself, about or? myself, like emotionally, like I was working on the TV show too. So it was like, I was trying to make this like this like whole TV show. Cause I, I met a producer that somehow found out that I was living in my van and working on Nickelodeon shoots, and he was like, "You should, you should make a YouTube video. You should make a YouTube channel, and like you have like you're in a unique situation where like people would want to watch you and stuff." And I actually did like five videos and i would like edit them and like i had a really good time making them but i felt like i at the time it's different now but at the time i just felt like i was giving way too much information out like way too much information and i felt like it was just me out in the world so it was like scary i would just get paranoid about yeah. shit but now as a crazy adult i'm like you know but like that's how i feel or i felt about like doing this like mm-hmm. the podcast yeah, because yeah. I've always been very like private and like to myself. Mm-hmm. Same Z's, but, yeah. but I mean, it's not like we're over here freaking flashing you guys or telling you all this fucking crazy <laughs> shit. There's nothing know? wrong with flashing people. No, I know, but I mean, we wouldn't be comfortable doing yeah. that. Me and yeah. Edna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although but we have friends that are really comfortable doing that. Um, but the takeaway from living in a van was less is more, like stuff. Mm-hmm. Less is more, um, and also like it gave me like a real sense of adventure. And it also gave me, like, 
a different view of life and it allowed me to like be scared be uncomfortable but also like taking like really really beautiful like scenic moments and allowed me to like reflect and you kind of feel like a social outcast in a way because people would be like wait you live in your van mm-hmm. and like i remember this one time um i was working on night squad and we would shoot at the paramount studio lot and i would park at the very 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 top of the parking structure and like i would pull up park and then um through my through my windshield i can see the hollywood sign and I kind of had like a surreal moment. Like I was laying in my bed with my pillow and I can see the Hollywood sign. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then like I got this one morning, because I would go to work early. Uh, this one morning I hear a little, Kevin. And I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like, yes. I'm in my van. It's like, can we come in and smoke in your van? And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, come in. And it was like my little co-stars and like they came with their little bong and like, sitting in my van I'm like <laughs> they're like this is so sick man and i'm like yeah it's cool it's like, yeah, it's so cool where are we going i'm like well we have to go to work in like 10 minutes but we'll do whatever you want um but it was like really i had like really really cool beautiful moments but um after a year um i decided to kind of give up the van life because uh it was a lot like to be honest it was a lot to like wake up drive to the gym uh drive to work mm-hmm. and then like kind of like you're not only driving your personal car around but you're driving your home all over the place and like i live in the city and people were fucking with my van and like luckily i still had my place in hollywood my little studio apartment and um i just decided to kind of like give up the van life and i had my van for a while and i would use it as my personal car but then i would leave it parked outside in the street in hollywood and people would like steal my clutter converter or like spray paint my van oh my and God. just like fuck with my shit um so i was like you know what? i'm gonna sell this van so i ended up selling it during lockdown i got really really i got basically what i paid for it and a little more and um i sold it with everything with the solar panels and the batteries i'm just like fuck it this is an, an era it has come to an end but it was more like a, a next chapter and then with that money i put my down payment on my little uh honda crv and i built out my little honda crv to be like a mini camper um but yeah, I don't, I don't regret it. And I learned a lot. And I think everyone should do it at least once, especially now it's like with technology, like battery technology is like so sick where you can have a running refrigerator for 24 seven and mm-hmm. like use this solar energy, stuff like that. But it was like, it was really my friend Luke that really inspired me to like live this like more like nomadic lifestyle. But I'm glad that I did it. But now that I have a daughter, I don't think I can live that lifestyle anymore. And like my, I just can't, but it was great. I'm glad I did it when I did it. Um, yeah. So you're a nature boy at heart mm-hmm. and I know you love taking hiking trips. Uh, you've invited me on a couple of those. Oh, yeah. Hiking. Did I say hiking? I meant camping. camping yeah. Camping. Yeah. Uh, you go camping a lot and uh, you've taken me on a couple of those trips. And I just want to say that a lot of people don't like camping. They like glamping. But when I go camping with Kevin, it feels like I'm glamping. Because we have the luxury of having light. We have the luxury of having a fridge. We have the luxury of having all these really cool things because he uses solar panels. So I think that like your camping setups are so cool Mm -hmm. because we're out in nature experiencing the nature vibe. But we have the luxury of having all these other things that just makes it more comfortable. Yeah, that's what I going back to the thing on technology is like if it wasn't for all the technology we have now, like I don't think it'd be as comfortable, but it's also like relative to like time. So like if we were living back in the day, like maybe in the nineties, we would we would find our own ways to comfort ourselves with like 
other little things you know mm-hmm. but like, i feel like now like you can kind of get best of both worlds like you know have the comforts and luxuries of like a battery charger and like even like a little cooking stove and like your refrigerator that you can take a br- like anywhere with you um yeah i don't know i feel like living in my van has made me a better camper too especially going to music festivals like coachella like you think about what you like the essentials that you, actually, you need 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 and also like you would travel a lot too yeah i want to talk about like your europe trip so he lived in europe for like a month um well i backpacked six weeks in europe when i was 23 with my friend luke um i did it out of a jansport backpack like a school backpack yeah um and we did laundry a couple times but yeah we i just just my backpack and that trip actually taught me a lot regarding like travel like internationally and even like home um again less is more and there's laundry machines everywhere um, so just wash your fucking clothes. But also, it also taught me like the staples of clothing, and like trying to be cute, but also like being like smart about what you pack because you have to carry that shit everywhere you go. Um, yeah, we did. We went to Copenhagen, Rome, Paris, Berlin, just like the the normal like European backpack trip. Um, did that but for how six was week? that? Because like I've never been to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the you also told me some crazy Berlin stories uh so it's it's it was cool i had a really good time traveling like people say like for example like france like paris like oh the french are so fucking rude and i'm just like i never experienced that i just think because like i come in with the demeanor of like i want a fucking coffee i know you call it something different but i want some fucking caffeine so like you would you would just approach it like a normal human being and like they know that i think it also helped that i was like small and brown and not like a big tall american because it's like it kind of gives you like a free pass. Like people would say, oh, they're just like this little soft person, you know, so they don't really like have their energy switch. But I understand why people, locals feel like annoyed by tourists, especially American tourists, because I had this experience, that same trip. We were boarding a plane from like, from like Rome to Naples, basically like a short flight within Italy. And this girl in front of me, she's American, she's with her family. Her mom was like, sweetie, take your belt off. And she's like, I don't take my belt off. I'm an, I'm an American. And I'm just like, geez like that's how we that's how we're perceived in the world like i'm not gonna do that everybody's just doing it but i'm not gonna do it because i'm an american and it's like yeah we have u.s passports and that's literally the key to the world for now but it's like you have to respect people's fucking traditions you also have to respect other people's like way of doing stuff and like you're boarding a fucking plane like you're going through tsa like take off your fucking belt bitch like it doesn't matter if you're american like you're a fucking human anywho so that was kind of like I, like little like little experiences like that really taught me a lot about a lot like when it comes to travel mm-hmm. uh, berlin was crazy to talk about berlin a little bit berlin for me i was there for we were there for like five days and um the best meal of my life was in berlin it was like this indian food spot like luke took me to and it was so fucking good dude it was so good i still think about it to this day it was like someone's like indian grandma like turned their living room into a little mini restaurant and it was only open for like a certain amount of time and um yeah god it was just so fucking good dude it was so good what did you have i forgot what we had we had like some curry dish with like some naan and like the naan was like so fresh and good and like it was just so it like spiced me out i was like fucked up and um and like we were sitting and like it was kind of like a little someone's little living room but then you can see the kitchen from from the seating area and like we saw this little grandma like marinating the chicken for tomorrow 
and she was like had her little Bollywood music on and she was like slapping the chicken and she was just like <laughs> feeling herself and like you can you can really taste the fucking love in that food. Dude. It was so fucking good. We ended up like paying like three times as much like with tip and everything because it was just that fucking good, dude. It was that good. I'll never forget Damn. that meal. Also, the night before, um, we went to this place called The Lab and it basically is a sex club, but every, so the thing about Berlin is like they have all kinds of clubs and they go all night and all morning and all day. Like they're fucking crazy out there. Um, I went to basically a sex club where you walk in and they give you a plastic bag and like you put all your clothes in it or whatever you feel comfortable taking off. And um, you walk into like this environment. So it's just you and your, for me, it was like me and my underwear and my vans. That's it. And you walk into this environment, you first walk in and it's like an open bar. And it's like people are drinking. Everyone's like, some people are naked. They're just like chatting and living it up. It's like going to like a normal club, but like you're naked. And on the side, there's like dark rooms and like little alleys and like uh, glory hole setups and like swings and stuff like that. I won't get into details of in my experience. Glory what? A <laughs> glory hole, basically like a glory hole wall. So basically like one person would be out on the other side of the wall and there's like a hole in the wall and like you just put your junk through it and like you just kind of get like sucked off anonymous, anonymously. Duh, like all the other parties that everyone goes to. But the thing is like in American culture, like there's things like bathhouses. And there's like Korean spas that like kind of the same stuff happens here, but it kind of seemed a little bit as taboo. But out there, it's like, it's just like, a, it's just like going out to the club. Like they have like sex clubs, like for straight people too. And like, it's just part of like their culture. Like for me, I, I, for Americans, like we're like, oh, I don't want to go to sex. Oh, you're going to go to an orgy? Like, ooh. And like, there's like negative connotations that go with that. But like, I feel like European culture, like especially like Berlin culture, it's like, it's part of the nightlife. It's not like, it's not seen as like taboo. It's like more of like, it's part of the culture. That's why like, when you go to like a bathhouse here, there's no bar. There's like no like social place for people to just come in like a neutral space. Um, Mexico City has one like that too. Mm. Um, but I feel like we're, I feel like America's like very prudent in a way, but it's also like, they're also hypocritical because it's like, bitch, everyone's fucking and sucking, you know? Like we have all these apps where we can meet up with the guy in like three seconds if you wanted to, but like, in that experience at that t- period of time in my life, I was like 23, I think. And like, I basically like fulfilled all my life fantasies, like sexually. And I got to explore, I got to explore sexually without any like judgment pressed on me. And it was like in a social setting. And I found that really, really beautiful. And I know it's a lot, it's a lot for people. And I know like sex can be like a really touchy subject, especially for like people who aren't really open sexually. Um, and don't do and a lot And that's okay if people aren't though. Yeah, it's okay. But I encourage everybody to like explore yourself sexually. Like if something kind of sort of interests you, like why not pu- like push yourself out of your comfort zone and maybe you find something that you didn't know that you liked. Um, but I will show, I will share a crazy, it's kind of crazy. This is maybe too TMI, but fuck TMI it. guys, TMI. But we are on Cover the, your ears. Uh, we are on the all of a sudden podcast. So like, uh, that's something I want to talk about. There's like no slut talk, talk on this <laughs> podcast. Like where's the sluttiness? So I'm bringing it to you here. So at this, this club, is all the slut you guys need for the rest. So of the at episodes. this club, there. So it's really really cool. It's like industrial type energy. Like there's like, so there's like shipping containers, right? So there's like four st- shipping containers stacked on top of each other, and there's like a stairway, and every little shipping container had like a little vibe to it, like a little like fuck zone, like a little nest, you know. And at the very top, there's like a urinal. And at the, the urinal, like, you guys pee in it. And, like, the urinal went down to a shower. 
So basically, like, there was a bathtub at the, underneath the urinal at the very first floor. And there was a man sitting in it, laying in it. And basically, all the piss from the urinal on the top would go all the way down and turn into, like, a golden shower for this person to enjoy themselves. Basically, like, being showered in piss. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, and uh, that was a kind of, like, the kind of place that you're in. Like, basically, like, you go in there... And you basically have like all your like sexual desires like fulfilled. All your fetishes. For any yeah. pee lovers out there, you so know like, who you are. I'm like, well, I'm not really into water sports. It's called water sports. I'm not really into water sports, but I'm like, I do need to pee. And I don't have any interaction with the person down there other than like my piss traveling down this tube to get to them in the bathtub. So I'm like, why not? You know? So it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to take a piss in this urinal and it'll land on this guy and he'll be was happy as ever. Was there a shit pool? So there was a, a good question. Two girls, one cup. Yeah. So I, I, I haven't done any exploring with shit play, but I don't think it's for me. Like no judgment if it is for you. Cause like people are very interesting and fascinating, but it's just not for me. Um, so there was a whole club, right? There was like alleys, there was like sex swings, there was all kinds of things you can but do. But was there like, a ship? Well, I'm getting to that question. Oh. If you're getting to that answer. Oh shit. I mean, it was the runaround. So it's, Basically, this club had everything you needed to fulfill most of your kinks. So the shit area was underground. So there was a yes. shit area. The shit area is underground, Holy but once you once you guacamole. go once you go down there, you you're can't come back, back up. Yeah, because you're gonna be throwing up. It's it's um. There's a there's an exit for all the the people that went to the shit side. If if we can talk about this topic without any judgment, that'd be great. Only because I don't want to kink shame people. Well, this isn't. We're all ha- you're having different perspectives here. Okay, okay. But I just feel like this is a f- uh, free speech zone. We're not gonna <laughs> cancel anyone. We're not judging or anyone. or put stuff on free speech. I just I just don't I just don't want I just want don't want like well, if, people's you know, people, kinks to be like it's fine if people over oh, there the shit area. It's okay for people to be offended. It's free speech. Okay, but I'm just looking out for the. So there's one. someone here that doesn't want you to be offended. There's someone here that's free speech, and then Enda's neutral. I'm not. So I'm not trying to censor you. There's someone here for everyone. I'm not trying to censor you. Okay, I'm well, just saying don't. when we speak about people's kinks, to op- to speak about them with an open mind and not like judgment, judgmental words towards it or like whatever Jokes? you know what never mind just then that is not free speech. I take it all back. I'll free take it all back. Is me. You you be yourself. Fucking around. And joking around, and people can get offended. That's fine. Okay, but we are talking about this being is America. Sh- we, we are talking First about being shat speech. on. We are we are talking about being yeah, shat on. Yeah, what the so heck? I can't joke around people getting shat on. Like, anyway, are we in China? Continue. China. Um. So, anyways, so once you go down the down the basement area, you can't come back up. And um, I didn't see any shit play, but I knew it was happening. But like, it's like very separated from the rest of the club, so it's like its own section. Damn. But I, I do can only imagine how like it smells down there. I know that's what I was saying my joke for. Yeah, I think like I think like your nose becomes like desensitized. And like if you're into that stuff. Uh, yeah, right? I yeah, think so. I would so maybe it gets sensitized sensitized more. Yeah, I can't I, love it, I can't even like I can't mm. even begin to imagine cuz like as a as a bottom, as an open bottom. Um I, should I explain what a bottom is to no, people? I think people now know. Okay, well as a bottom, 
I have very oh my god I'm like dude this is a lot I'm putting this on the internet whatever we can cut stuff out I don't care like. this is me whatever if you want to judge me and if you this hire me and if you fucking find it and you're my employer and like you have like some weird judgment towards me you don't hire me because I'm a bottom that's your shit not mine anyways back to shit talking yeah back to the shit talking so when it comes to like me being a bottom like i have i'm very particular about my bottom and not having any like shit um, super clean bottoms are like super clean. well yes and no in my life experience i'm speaking only of myself as a bottom like i know that i cannot enjoy myself if i'm not like 100 percent like fresh and ready to fucking from go. all the bottoms i've had experience with and there's a lot of twinks in my life they are also super particular about being super clean and like not eating if shit's gonna go down so i was like that's a really hard life to live like you don't know if you're gonna eat because what if you do something later on that thing i learned that when i was hanging out with twins i had to teach me that i'm like oh wow so you have to know if you're gonna do stuff beforehand so then you don't eat so then you can be super clean like that's a lot it's like a whole thing it's like a whole thing yeah it is like i know like let's say if i'm meeting a gentleman like and if we're gonna get down like i would fast so I just fast. But now it's like part of like my diet to fast every now and then. It's like you don't eat for like the first part of the day. Um, So, yeah, that's like my relationship with my butt. And well, we're talking about the poop room. Yeah, we we're talking about the poop room. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm also talking about the poop room. Oh, yeah, but yeah. like um, everyone is different. And there's some bottoms I don't douche because they're into poop a little bit. And that's OK. It's not for me, though. Let the record show. That I'm not into yeah, I was like I was getting older. I was like, dude, what if two girls, one cup was not real? And then I watched it again. I was like, oh no, that shit's, shit's real. real. No, like even if it wasn't real, like it's real in real life. No, like it's real. I watched it again. And it's real. Like they can't prop that shit literally. Um. So, do you guys have any more questions for no, me? No, I think that I think we're gonna wrap it up now. Are we gonna wrap it up? I was having so much fun. I want to ask one one last thing. Always ask everything. We, yeah. What are your goals? in the next five years okay i love how this conversation went from like the shit room that's to what <laughs> all of a sludden is I all just, about you know before we wrap it i just want to know because you're so full of like experiences and like you have all these skills and like you do all this like you just throw yourself out there and like you just don't care so i want to know what's next in kevin's life like what what do you the next five years um so my whole goal in my career life is to become a producer for commercials for um, porn guys i'm just kidding <laughs> there's for me there's i don't think there's any porn in money there's only there's no money in porn unless you're the star and i thought about it and i don't think i'd be good i don't think i'd be a good porn star but um like i wanted to do commercials as a producer um i feel like i'm in the right path for that right now i do want to start my own production company within the next five years and uh i really want to shoot this little movie i had i have an idea for a movie uh, I want it to be shot. It's based in Tijuana, so I want it to be shot in a, in Tijuana and be like a. I want it to be like a little Tijuana indie film, for that's cute for like mm-hmm. it, like see all the sights of TJ, and like kind of like t- try to take in the culture like when it comes to cameras. So that's like one of my. Did biggest you write your things. script already? I didn't write my script. I have bullet point notes. I what I really want to do is I really really want to sit down with myself now that I don't have a job coming up. So if you need a production a production coordinator, let me know, please. Um, I'm gonna sit down with myself and actually put put down my story on paper. Um, yeah, and then and then just like and then like get with a couple writer friends and like have them kind of like. 
I just want to put down the structure for my for my film. So I definitely want to do that in the next five years. And like with all the knowledge that I've been gathering from like being an extra to an actor to a uh, production assistant to a uh, production coordinator to now like slowly becoming a producer, I want to take all my knowledge and make my own picture. That'd be um, dope. And I, you know, along the way, like I've been meeting a lot of people that have like really unique crafts. Like I know camera people. I know sound people. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of actors. Shout out to um, our friends. We're going to have them on. Some and of our um, friends in the, in the yeah, that, that's what I hope to do in the next five years. And I uh, hopefully like your podcast would like still be going at that time. And yeah, that's where I see myself in the next five years. I I I want to do everything like with the, my my as a thirty year old now. Like I feel like my life has I've changed like kind of like my life motto now. It's like I just want to have fun and I want to make money while I'm having fun and I'm like fuck the bullshit like this is a new world we have technology we have everyone's finally becoming like being able to explore themselves and stuff like that when it comes to like their identities and their life experiences and who they are in their heart and their soul so I'm like I'm just gonna have fun now like fuck the bullshit dude like if you don't want to hire me that's great but if you did let's have some fucking fun like it's really not that fucking deep at least mm-hmm. not what I do like we're just literally playing pretend for a living so like okay Let's just have fucking that. fun. I like, love that for you. It's not that deep. All right. Anyways. It's nice. Beautiful. Well, we really enjoyed having you on the podcast Yeah, thanks for today. coming on. Yeah. We loved hearing all your stories. Yeah. Please let us know what you thought about this episode. Leave a comment down below. Um, are you into poop stuff? Not? Let us know down below. Or tell us your favorite kink. Or your favorite show. Or your favorite show. For all your PGs out there. All the PGs, all the G's audience. Um, But yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. We hope you're back on soon to catch us up on what you got going on. Yeah, can't wait to see your movie. Maybe we can have a mini premiere. Oh, that'd be cute. Hey, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. See you on the next one. Thanks for watching. Thank you. All of a sudden. And do any plugs? Oh. um, No? No, not right now. Okay. We'll revisit this topic. Thanks for watching all of a sudden. Please comment, like, and subscribe and tell all your friends about the show.